0: Today we're starting a brand new series that we're calling how to save a life. It begins today. It goes all the way through Easter. And the goal of this is we want to invite you on a journey to make it a priority to be in the house of God. Or if you're watching online or wherever you're at, whatever room you've created a, to make a spot of worship, we're inviting you to be disciplined and, and really be focused between now and Easter and go on this journey. And the idea is Um, We're really wanting to encourage people that have a heart to make a difference. What I've learned about people that desire to make a difference is they always find a way. They're always finding solutions, they're always finding answers. They push through obstacles, they push through barriers. Um, They don't allow the resistance of life to stop them. You know, there's always a reason, come on, to not make a difference. And so, people that don't want to make a difference, that's what they do, they find excuses. And church, historically, the big C and the little C, including Seven Hills, we've been so creative at coming up with excuses for not making a difference. And so we want to lock in and over this next season, ask God to use us. Pray that God will use us personally, individually, in whatever walk of life we leave here and enter. Use us to make a difference in this next season. In a very, very pronounced and special way as we just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so turn in your Bibles with me to First Kings chapter 20. First Kings chapter 20. I love this story. It's a beautiful story. And I believe it will help us kick off this series and get an idea of how I believe God works to use us to make a difference. You know, I heard this story. Years and years and years ago, and as simple as it is, it makes so much sense that there was a man in his twenties who said, I want to change the world. I want to make a difference in my world. I want to do something to impact the world. When he entered his thirties and he looked back at what he had accomplished, he realized that maybe he bit off more than he could chew. And so he reduced his dream down to, I want to change my nation. If I could just make a difference in my nation, then that, then I would feel fulfilled in life. When he got into his forties, he realized he probably bit off more than he could chew. And now he's saying, if I could just change my state, if I could just make a difference in my state, then I would be happy. When he got into his fifties, he realized that still his ambitions were a little too great. And so he said, God, if I could, if I could just change my, my region, if I could just do something in my region to make a difference, then I could die and be happy. Gets out of his fifties. He's in his sixties. And now he's just praying, God, help me to use my, change my community, use me to make a difference in my community, just right here in in my town and the surrounding area. God use me to make a difference in his seventies. He realized, man, I'm still not making any headway. So his prayer was, God, just help me to change my family. He enters his eighties. He's kind of running his last lap towards the end of his life. His prayer turned to God. Would you just change me? Would you just change me? realizing that if early on in his life, he wouldn't have been distracted by all these, you know, romantic ideas, these outlandish ideas. These these are the things that make everybody shout and scream and think really big things in the moment. Let's go change the world. That'll get a response, won't it? But when you boil it down to that simple thing, God, would, would you help me not be distracted by all that? And would you help me to change me, help me to work on me first. Then maybe I can influence my family. Then maybe I can influence my community, my church. Then maybe I can influence the city. And then maybe we can make a difference in the world around us. So first Kings chapter 20, let's look at verse 39. It says the King passed by and the prophet called out to him, your servant went into the thick of the battle. And someone came to me with a captive and said, guard this man. Everybody say that with me. Guard this man. That's the title of my message. Guard this man. If he's missing, it will be your life for his life. This is a serious thing. Verse 40, 40, while your servant was busy here and there, the man disappeared And then that was the sentence the king said, you have pronounced this sentence over yourself. I want you to quickly recognize that in these short few verses. There is contained what is the number one responsibility of every man and woman in this room. The story takes place on a battlefield. If you could imagine with me the environment, the atmosphere of that battlefield would have been noisy and chaotic. There would have been the trumpet blast that they used in battles in those days. The shofars would be blasting to signal to the army what task to take on, what direction to go go in. There would have been the clanging of, of swords. There would have been the rumbling of chariots There would have been the screams and the yells of men who were going into battle, the cries of the wounded. If you could imagine a battlefield like that, if you will now inside of that battle, right in the middle of the battle, a king has captured a man and he comes to a soldier and his instructions to the soldier is, I want you to guard. This man, your number one priority, your number one focus, your number one responsibility is even though there's all kinds of chaos and there's noise and, and there's the war raging around you, your number one responsibility is to guard and to keep this man. The word guard means to hedge in, to defend, or to set a watchman over It means to hedge him in with thorns. So it's speaking of coming up with parameters and boundaries around the man that the king had gave him to guard. The goal was to make sure that in no way will you let this man escape. You've got to keep him in the boundaries. You've got to keep him inside of the parameters that I've commanded you to keep him. And then to add to the seriousness of the command, the king said, if this man, when I come for him is missing, it will be your life for his life. Your responsibility is you've got to guard this man. You've got to defend him. You've got to be the watchman over him. I know there's a lot going on outside. I know there's a lot of distractions. I know there's a lot of things worry about out there, but I'm pulling you off of the battlefield. And I'm going to ask you to not engage in the chaos of what's going on out there. The screams and the trumpet blasts and the swords clashing and the chariots rumbling. I'm going to ask you to not get involved with that. And I'm going to ask you to focus on this one thing more than anything else. I want you to guard this man. Don't be distracted by the battle. Don't be distracted by the chaos. Don't be distracted by the clanging of the swords. Your charge is to keep this man and more than anything else, your life depends on how you keep this man. If you lose him, you lose yourself. If you let his life go, it's going to cost you your life in the process. And so the Bible says that the battle, when it ended and the dust settled and the dead were dealt with and handled and the wounded were cared for, that the king found his way to this soldier and he wanted to know one thing from this soldier. He wanted to find out one thing, and that was, what did you do with the man that I gave you charge over? And the Bible says that the man had escaped. And so when the king is asking the man, where, where is the man I gave you to guard? Where is he? What what happened to him? And he says to the king that he's escaped, the king immediately wants to know, how could this have happened? How how could you have possibly allowed something so important that I've given you? How could you, how could you possibly have, have ignored that command? How could you have possibly have been so negligent? Did, did the enemy overpower you and, and rescue the man that I gave you to guard? No, sir. Did, did you misunderstand the command that I gave you? Was I not clear how important this was, that this was to be your number one responsibility? No, sir. You were clear. Did someone else come and give you another order and undermine me and somehow you were confused? No, sir. No, no one distracted me. I, I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew the order. I was clear. I was not overpowered by the enemy. And the king said, explain yourself. And the answer he gave is so classic. Notice what he said. I got busy here and there. And the king looks at the man and says, so shall your judgment be. You've lost this man. So you lose yourself. This is the cost. Because you did not watch this man, because you did not guard and you weren't the watchman of this man. The king says it's going to cost you your life. This man immediately is trying to help the king understand maybe what had happened. And he it's so important to the soldier that the king knows that he wasn't lazy, that, that he wasn't apathetic. He says, I was busy here and there. He's hoping surely the King understands I've got pressures in life. I've got demands in life. I got all these different things pulling on me and I've got all these, all these things trying to, 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 that are important and these things really matter. You know, I've, I've got, I've got children and I've got, uh, spouses and, and got ex-spouses. Anybody out there, no first service, there was a lot of. Ex-spouses, a lot of laughing going on this service, not as much it's busy. Life is busy dealing with the spouse you're hoping to land. It's busy. Life is busy. Is it not? We got jobs to wake up to. We got bills to pay. We got responsibilities in life. King Shirley, you understand I'm a busy man. I forgot to guard the man, because I have so many responsibilities coming at me and surely King, you understand that those obligations and those responsibilities just distracted me just for a minute. And, and I believe that in many ways, the way that the young man put it was that I was busy here and there. In other words, he wasn't saying it was a quick thing. The king didn't give him the command to guard this man, and then he just immediately was negligent and ignored the orders and went about his life. No, it was, it was a gradual thing. Just here a little and there a little, just, just begin to slowly pull away. Just slowly begin to get focused on other things, slowly got pulled into this distraction or that distraction. But then he would get back and say, oh, oh yeah. And, and there the man is saying, don't worry about me. I'm good. You just go on handle life just do whatever you got to do in life. Don't worry about me. I'm not going to try to escape. I'm not going to try to get out of here. Boy scout honor cross my heart and hope to die. Just go do your thing. Just, just go out there and, and, and handle the priorities and the busyness of life. And I love the fact that this man just slowly and surely got away from what he was called to do. Before he knew it, he looks back and the man had escaped. And in case you haven't got the point of this message yet, if you're like me and you're a little slow sometimes with sermons, the king is saying to you and I, and that's Jesus, and he's coming back and he's gonna wanna know this, he's saying, You are that man. He's saying to all of us, your number one responsibility is to keep this man to guard this man, to be the watchman over this man. The Bible says I've got to guard my heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. I've got to keep this man. I've got to keep this man's eyes from the lust of the flesh. I've got to keep this man's. flesh from desiring things. The Bible says that that each one of us is enticed and pulled away by our own desires. I've got to keep this man from the pride of life. I've got to hedge him in. I've got to watch him. I've got to build up parameters and standards and boundaries. And I've got to make sure that I don't just let this man do whatever he wants. This man is out of control. If I let him, this man will do the craziest things. If I just allow him to, this man is a liar. This man is a cheat. This man has no care of what he does in life if you just let him run rampant. Paul said it like this. There is no good thing that dwells in my flesh. Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. He's saying, I had to guard this man. If you don't guard him, if you don't hedge him in, if you don't realize your flesh can't be trusted, your old nature can't be trusted, then before you know it, he'll escape and he'll cause all kinds of damage. Just a temporary lap in judgment. You'll find that old man getting out there and causing all kinds of chaos and all kinds of destruction. You see, what I love about this story is the soldier was not a bad man. He was just a busy man. Well, I had this and I had that. I was busy here and I was busy there. I wasn't a bad man. I just was a busy man. He didn't lose the man on purpose. It wasn't his goal to lose the man. It was his goal to take care of the man. And most of the time, that's how it works in our life. Slowly, little by little, we drift away slowly here and there. We get distracted. We get busy. The priorities that we know God's given us become less and less of a priority. We find ourselves further from God, further from his word, further from his presence, further From the relationship we once had, we find ourselves getting pulled away, lured away, less and less being who we know God has called us to be. And so the message to us today is you have to guard this man. You have to be a watchman over this man. That's why the Bible says, put on the full armor of God, not just the helmet of salvation. We're glad that you said a prayer and you know that Jesus loves you and he can forgive you, but you got to put on the full armor of God. You got to get out the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You got to get out the shield of faith. You got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, this is, it's a battle out there. You got to put on the belt of truth, the feet shods of peace. You got to guard this. Man, so important that I stay in the things that God has given me. I got to stay in church, whether it's watching online or or however I create places to worship. I've got to keep it a priority. Obeying God must be my number one priority. And you say, no, my children are my number one priority. My, My spouse is my number one priority. I got to take care of the people that I love. Can I just help you real quick? You will be no good to your children if you don't guard this man. You'll never influence your spouse. If you don't guard this man, you'll never make a difference in the world around you. If you don't first say, God, help me guard this man. Acts two says, save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation. Every person has a great responsibility to keep this man. I've got to use parameters. I've got to hedge him in. I've got to use boundaries. I've got to use principles. I've got to use standards. I've got to build the hedge around this man. Because if I just let this man go places. If I just let this man do whatever it wants to do. I've got to guard my eyes. I've got to guard my ears. I've got to guard my mind. I've got to guard my heart. I've got to guard my relationships. I've got to guard the places I go. I've got to guard this man. I've got to hedge him in. I've got to keep him. I've got to keep him in prayer. I've got to keep him in the word. I got to keep him in church. I got to keep him holy. I got to keep his heart pure before God. I've got to keep and guard this man or I'll never be an influence. I'll never be good for anybody else. You see, one day the king is coming back and he's going to want to know, what did you do with this man? What did you do with this man? You know, a battery in order for it to have power has both positive and negative charges. And a lot of people are used to in church, especially in the day we live in. I'll hear people talk about, well, I got away from church because where I was growing up, it was all hellfire and brimstone. I don't even know what brimstone is, but it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) I've studied the Bible for 30 years. I still don't know what brimstone is. (laughs) Never even thought of looking it up. Email me, I guess, and I won't read it. <laughs> but now we've seemed to go the, the pendulum has swung, hasn't it? It's all positive. And you know what? The gospel is good news. Come on. It's great news really is. And we need the positive. We need to know God loves us. He's for us. He forgives us. Come on. If you get outside those parameters, the point is for you to know you stepped out so you can step back in and say, okay, God, let's, you know, from here forward is the point with God. Always. He's saying, okay, okay. From here forward. It's important for us to know the positives. It's important for us to know that we're his sons and his daughters and, and that he'll never leave us or forsake us. But if all you do is take the battery cables and you just hook up to the positive charge and you try to go crank the engine, you'll get no power. So you've got to have the negative charge too. And every now and then we have to not just know God loves us and he's for us. We have to know the king is also holding us responsible and the king is going to want to know where he's going to hold us accountable for what he's asked us to do. And he's going to want to know, did we guard this man? And that means not always is it positive. The things I tell myself, sometimes I have to tell myself thou shalt not are in the book too. come on. That's the standard. That's the principle. Nope. You can't go there. Nope. You can't. I've got to guard this man, Solomon towards the end of his life said in the book of Solomon one and verse six, he said, they made me a keeper of others vineyards. But I've not kept my own. I made sure others were okay. I made sure that I pruned their vineyards. I made sure that I protected their vineyards from outside dangers. I made sure that I harvested their grapes. But my own is overgrown, unprotected weeds everywhere. No fruitfulness. That's what Solomon said. When I got to the end of my life, I realized I had kept everyone else's vineyard, but I neglected my own. I got to keep this man. I've got to guard this man. You know, one of the things that we say often here at Seven Hills, especially on staff and to a lot of our volunteers, and every now and then I'll bring it up to the church and I'll say, hey, the number one thing you could give Seven Hills, the greatest thing you could give Seven Hills is your relationship with Jesus. Not a million dollars. You can, but that's not the point. <laughs> it's not your time. Let me, let me just break it down to, to, to where we really live. The greatest thing you can give your children Your spouse, your future spouse is not being at every football game. I hope you make it to everyone. I hope you make it to every recital, every event that they're involved with. But if you give them everything and you leave them the greatest inheritance and they get an Ivy League education and you do not give them the importance of a relationship with God, can I tell you, can I help you? It don't matter if we're the wealthiest church in the world. If you think somehow that matters more than your personal relationship with God, I have failed dad. If you prioritize anything above your relationship with God, you are failing your children I understand you're a good dad, but you got to guard this man. If you don't guard him, if you don't keep him hedged in, then you can pass on all the wonderful things the world has to offer to your children, but you're missing it. The greatest thing we can give our families, the greatest thing we can give our church, the greatest thing we can give this world is our own personal relationship with God. I've got to keep this man. Now, I love the tendency for the sound good things to come out right now in people's minds. No, you got to prioritize others. You got to love others. You got to take care of others. You got to make it about others. That is true, but you can't flip the priorities. It's not that that's insignificant or less significant. It's that there's an order. Jesus said it like this. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Think about that. You had to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all my heart. That's a big job. All my heart, all my strength, all my strength. What's God saying? Hey, don't just don't just quickly move past this. Don't be flippant about this. This is going to take a lot, take, take a lot of strength, a lot of energy, a lot of focus. This is your number one responsibility is. You have to put a high prize on you prioritizing you and you prioritizing your love for God. Then step number two, you love others as you love, watch it yourself, which means you can really only love others at the level you love yourself. Have you ever wondered why an abuser can abuse people, but in the name of the abuse, he says that he loves them because he loves people at the level he loves himself, right? So you cannot get this mindset of, I just got to take care of everybody else. Cause you get out there, your reflection of how you see yourself. Guess where it comes from. It comes from the people around you comparing yourself to so-and-so and to such and such. And guess what? You'll always come back with when you do that. You'll always come back falling short. You will always come back inadequate. You're never going to measure up. You're never going to be good enough. You're you're always going to have a sense when you compare yourself to others that there's something off with you, something wrong with you, something not enough about you, something unlovable about you, because that's what happens when you put others before your own relationship with God. But if I find out who I am and I guard this man by loving God with all my heart and all my strength, guess what happens? I find out from him who I am. I know it's basic. I find out that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I find out that before there was one day on the planet, God knew me and prepared and planned me for this day and this hour. And he's prepared the good works for me to walk in before there was ever one day on this planet and I start finding out I do have a purpose and I do have a call and I don't have to compare and I don't have to measure myself out there, then guess what? As I begin to find that God sees that much greatness and value in me, guess what I can go out and do? I can love others as I love myself. I can believe in others as I believe in myself. I can I can, I can can make a difference in others because I made a difference in myself. I got to guard this man. Everybody say, I've got to guard this man. Unless I'm okay. Can't help everybody else be okay. So it's okay. Give yourself permission. Years and years ago, I was driving into Cincinnati with Bill Cornelius actually was just here a couple weeks ago. And I was telling him my story about all these sacrifices I was making and all these things I was doing. And and just really kind of being like a self martyr, right? And he he just looks at me in the middle of my talking about, you know, all these sacrifices I'm making. He says, whatever happened to you that you can't be good to yourself? It hit me like a ton of bricks. He's like, man, if you don't learn how to be good to yourself, you're going to always struggle to be good to everybody else. You're way too hard on yourself. You beat yourself up way too much. You're so critical on yourself. The outflow of your life is going to be, that's going to be on others. You got to guard this man. You got to love this man. Sometimes I don't love me, but he teaches me how to love him with all my heart and all my strength. Every eye closed, every head bowed, you know, I love the idea of the cross as really the perfect picture of love. Jesus is hanging there. He's bleeding there. He's dying on that horrible cross. And the Bible says, for God so loved us that he sent his son, his only son. You know, the amazing thing about the cross, the amazing thing about a relationship with God, the most amazing thing about guarding this man watching your heart, being a watchman over your own soul is no one can go to the cross for you. Your mom can't do it. Your dad can't do it. Don't doesn't matter if your aunt is a praying Catholic. It doesn't matter if you were baptized in the Catholic church when you were a child. It doesn't matter if your uncle is a Baptist minister. That has nothing to do. Your affiliation with a building, a church, has nothing to do with your relationship with God. It is personal. And when the king comes back, he's going to want to know what did you do with this man? He's not going to be interested in what the Baptist uncle did, he's not interested in what your praying mother did. Those things are precious and they're important. But the king's going to want to know did you keep? this man. And so I want to invite you today as we wrap up our time together for anyone that's maybe listening today. And you'd say, Marcus, I'm not right with God. You'd say, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. You've not put your trust, your full trust, your full confidence. You've not gone to the cross and surrendered your life. Can I just take just a minute? And encourage you to make that choice for you. I can't make that choice for you. No one else can make that choice for you. Only you can say yes to the cross. Only you can go and say, God, I'm giving you my sin so He can give you His forgiveness. You say, I'm giving you my weakness and He'll give you His strength. You give Him your failures and your mistakes. You know what? God gives you His grace. But you've got to give it to Him. You've got to lay it down. You've got to say, God, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your strength. I, I need a new beginning. And Jesus is an expert at taking all the things that we've messed up and all the things that we've done wrong. And he's an expert at turning it around. If you're here today or you're watching in Anderson, or maybe you're watching online and you'd say, Marcus, I need to get right with God. I want you to pray for me. I need forgiveness. I need a new start. On the count of three, I'm going to invite you to lift your hand wherever you're at. And when you lift your hand, what you're doing is you're saying yes to God. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to humiliate you, but I'm going to invite you to lift. lift your hand is a response of faith saying, God, I'm here. I'm bringing you my sin. I'm bringing you my old life. I'm bringing you this man. And I'm asking you to forgive him and cleanse him and wash him and make him to be brand new. So every man and woman, every young person under the sound of my voice, if you're saying to yourself, I need to get right with God. And would you pray with me? I need a fresh start on the count of three. Quickly lift your hand. One, two. Come on. Let's lift those hands. Lift those hands. Lift them. Many, many hands. Keep it raised. Don't put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Keep it raised all over. Thank you. God bless you. This is an important step. It's not a light step. Don't let the enemy tell you it's a minimal thing, No, This is a big thing. And Anderson, lift those hands. If you hesitated, lift those hands wherever you're, you're at. If you're watching online, there's a place where you can can say, I'm raising my hand. Pray for me there. You can put the prayer emoji in the chat that helps you. And the point is simply this. You want to respond to the gospel. You want to respond to God moving in your heart. And so as my friends in the physical campuses are making their way to you, they're going to give you a little booklet that's going to help you in your relationship with God. As soon as you get that booklet, you can put your hand down If you haven't got it, lift your hand back up. It's just something we want to give you so you can just keep feeding your spirit, feeding that relationship with God. There's a card on there that you can fill out for us and drop it by the welcome home areas, or they'll communicate with you online in a way that you can give us your information. Our goal is just to simply help you. We want to walk beside you. We want to serve you however we can. And it's an important thing for us to get some of that information. If you could take the time to do that, then we'll commit to help you once we receive that as well. And so let's all put our hands on our hearts, wherever you're watching, let's put our hands on our hearts. We're all going to pray this together with those who lifted their hands. We believe that the heart is where change takes place. God does a work, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And so with our hand on our hearts, say this together with me, say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for shedding your blood for my sin. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, give me a brand new start. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's only son and that he raised you from the dead. And now I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Come into my heart and life from this point on and use me to make a difference. First in my own life, I got to keep this man in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Come on. Let's give the Lord a good hand. Clap real quick. Come on. Can we celebrate all over? Anderson. Come on, Florence. Can we celebrate? Kyle's going to come. If I have not met you before. I can't have a counseling session with you, but I would love to meet you. So if you're a guest or a new person with us, um, I'll be out in the lobby. I'd love to say hi to you. Hey, listen, don't forget next week. I've got a brand new message. I'm so excited to share with you. That's going to help you reach your friends and your family. So you're not going to want to miss it. Even tomorrow to guard this man just like what pastor said service is only over if you want it to be we're going to stay in a time of worship and uh next week of course we're going to uh, continue how to save a life and then one week from tomorrow you can rsvp for those tickets for easter so make sure you mark your calendars we love you church we'll see you next week